Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So, you know, we're, we're kind of, I've been thinking a lot this week about uh, dimensionality. And the reason I'm thinking about that is because uh, you and I always are zero-dimensional to each other. We're kind of on the, well, one-dimensional, I guess, because we're, we're always on the podcast here talking to each other from our houses, right? So we're, and we just have audio. Right. And one thing I've really noticed is how many of my clients I'm now working with, of course, completely remotely, and it really has this strange two-dimensional feel to it. And it occurred to me that uh, I've noticed this in our podcast for a long time, that our listeners are kind of out there and we don't know what they're doing and what's important to them. And we occasionally hear from our listeners, but we, we don't get that kind of at least two-dimensional, if not three-dimensional interaction with them. So I had this wacky idea and I asked you about it and I, I want you to share your response. Um, the wacky idea was maybe we could actually talk to our listeners interactively and two-dimensionally <laughs> at least. So we could have something we might call office hours, and um, in an, an office hour, uh, podcast listeners could drop in, others that we know could drop in and ask us questions and talk to each other even, and that might be an interesting idea. I've seen a couple people do stuff like this. So what do you, what do you think about that, Jeffrey? Uh, I think it's a really interesting idea. I'd like the idea of, of uh, talking to more of our listeners, hearing more of our listeners. Um, the whole podcast, in a sense, was inspired by the idea that uh, various people see are ex experiencing suffering from different symptoms of, of uh, things going wrong in their environment, and uh, really enjoy discussing and sharing those ideas, ideas and hearing about them. Um, but the, the question I had was, are, are, this is something our listeners would be interested in. So my thought was, we should ask them. Uh, which what a crazy right idea! Is this, yes, <laughs> is, is this so? We'd like to hear from our listeners. Is this of interest to you? If we were to have office hours, um, uh, and you could join uh, via uh, a voice or uh, some sort of video conferencing and uh, share the kind of the challenges you're having here, hear what other people's challenges are here, the dialogue and the back and forth, would that be of interest for you? Would you would you sign up for that? And if so, you know what. Uh, what times are good for you? What days are good for you? What what would make it work for you? What's things you would like to hear about? And if there's something you'd be sure you'd want us to avoid, uh, what would that be? Uh, mm. Please let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If, if they do want to share their thoughts with us, Squirrel, uh, how can people get in touch with us? Yeah, we're always saying that you can go to conversationaltransformation.com and get in touch with us, which is true. But we don't, I think, give enough of a, of a lead for, for exactly what you can do, especially for people who are driving or jogging or um, otherwise not uh, near a computer. So uh, the, the easy thing to remember is uh, if you look up Troubleshooting Agile on uh, Twitter, it's actually T Shooting Agile. But if you just search Twitter for Troubleshooting Agile, you'll find us. Uh, that's the, the Twitter way to find us. Um, you can also look for Doug squirrel or jeffrey you got really lucky with with twitter you got in early so you're jtf at, at, uh, <laughs> at, at, at twitter or if you just search Jeg jeffrey frederick so that's how you'd find us on twitter and on email it's uh kind of long but I, I imagine you can remember it's info at conversationaltransformation.com and that all that is also on conversationaltransformation.com, uh, which is also redirected to by troubleshootingagile.com. So one way or another, you should be able to find us on Twitter or email. <laughs> and um, by the way, whatever we would do, at least uh, to, to get started with, would be free, just like the podcast is, because we're just interested in, in, in getting a little more, a little higher dimension with our, uh, with our listeners. So um, uh, get in touch. Tell us if this is interesting. Tell us if it's not interesting. Uh, we, we'd uh, sure appreciate it if uh, any of you who, th who think this uh, some, some greater interaction with us would be worth doing. 
uh, please get in touch. And, and that was kind of inspired by um, this, this phenomenon that I've just been noticing more and more of, of low dimensionality in uh, my interactions with everyone I work with. And it's, it's really been a, a barrier to me. So the, the notion that is uh, kind of summarizing this uh, uh, for us is this idea of affordances, that there's, there's different affordances from your uh, uh, in-person interaction to your remote interaction. Jeffrey, do you want to remind us what, what's, an intera- what's an affordance? Lots of us will know it from design. Lots of us won't know it. What, what is an affordance? Yeah. Um, affordance uh, is something that came into, I, I came across it in the world of um, interface design. And you would say uh, an affordance is something that would, um, that the environment that the UI gives to someone to um, both to what they allow, what they're allowed to do, what they're capable of doing. Um, and then, uh, and sometimes what it sort of directs or, or hints to people that they can do. And a, and a good example you might think about in the real world is if you're approaching a door at an office building and there is a, a bar on it that's uh, vertical, that's a, a subtle sign that what you're supposed to do on, on this door is pull. And if you have a, a horizontal bar, that's often an affordance and a hint that you're supposed to push. Um, and it's it's something that's subtle, but it's sort of offered by the environment to um, but to tell you what's available. And this idea of an affordance, um, I just recently learned came originally from psychology and someone had described it in this sort of environmental terms, what environments offer an animal and uh, both positive and negative. And it was something that was then a- adapted into the world of UI design. But I think it's a really good uh, uh, ex- explanation of what uh, you're describing, this sort of dimensionality, because we're we're missing so much when we move from the physical world to the virtual world, even when we're doing things that seem very similar. Um, this thought occurred to me uh, when I was thinking about why, for example, at, at Tim, we have some people who are spending so much time looking for various uh, interactive virtual whiteboards. Um, and and uh, because whiteboarding is such a um, uh, rich way of uh, communicating in the real world. And in, in fact, I, I always think of uh, Alistair Coburn has this uh, great graph that he, he he's drawn about showing different um, uh, mediums for interaction. There's sort of two different uh, curves that he draws. And one of them is about uh, what's a cool versus warm medium. And then you have another curve that's kind of offset about whether it's interactive or recorded. And the, 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 his pinnacle of communication are two people at a whiteboard. In and person, of the course, reason standing he, next to each other. In person, yes. Each other's ideas out <laughs> and shout about it and point. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and it, it sort of explicitly, he doesn't use the term, I don't recall him using the term affordances in describing it, but what he, what he, that's effectively what's there is that what's, what's so great about two people at a whiteboard is that um, you, you have this full three-dimensional element, both of the, the, the board, which is kind of be three-dimensional if you have, say, our stacking post-it notes on top of it, you can be ordering things as well as arranging them two-dimensionally. But then the other person is three-dimensional and you can, you can read their expressions and their tone of voice and their gestures, uh, how they move about the room. Like uh, Mike goes far as you can say, like how they're, how they're smelling. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, maybe that's too far. But there's, there's a lot of information that you're picking up 
uh, in the room that's available to your sense of what's going on, um, even beyond what's being said. You can say, like, well, you know, I, I, I just noticed you kind of frowned when you looked at that. What, what were you thinking? These sort of micro expressions become available and we get a sense of what's happening. All of these things uh, make it such a rich experience. And we in, uh, inevitably lose some of that as we move away from that sort of ideal you know, in, in, in any given way. So if we, and when we move to the point of even you have a whiteboard but, and there's one person up there and someone else sitting down at the other side of the table, we've, we've lost something because we don't no longer have the affordance of the, of, the, of the two people drawing simultaneously. If we move to virtual instead of physical, then we, we lose a lot of this information about the other people, that three-dimensionality of the other person, um, their expressions. And, and what's interesting to me is uh, a lot of people now experiencing for the first time video conferencing, and they're very excited about it. And uh, it, it is uh, a, a huge stride forward from where uh, we used to have conference calls and all you had was someone's voice or lack of voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and very little information. It's a huge step forward, but I still, but we definitely are, are missing a lot of affordances that come from being in person. Sure. Well, we were just doing a training course, you and I, Jeffrey, and when we were doing it, I was noticing that uh, we, we gave some time for people to do an exercise. They were doing one of our conversational analyses and scoring it and, and updating things on a piece of paper. And I was remarking that um, what I'd normally do in an interactive course is I'd walk around and I'd look over people's shoulders a little bit and I'd try to make sure they were all writing and seeing who was staring out the window. Well, I couldn't even see all of them because the video conference software we were using doesn't necessarily show you every person's face. You have to kind of scroll through. Mm. And um, I could be looking at the top of someone's head because they were, they were busy <laughs> writing. And it's awfully hard to read the emotions on, on the top of someone's head, I found, because I can't <laughs> tell whether they're frustrated or chewing their pencil or um, uh, ecstatic or something else. There, there was nothing I could read. I was just staring at their, at their, their head. So that, that's an example of an affordance that I just had never even considered before. And I was suddenly confronted by it then thinking to myself boy this is extra difficult so uh it was definitely uh not on the warm end it was definitely on the cool um <laughs> low interaction end and we, we had to do some extra steps for example we normally would go around a circle but yes. there was no circle so we had to <laughs> just uh make a little list and say okay you're first in the circle and then you're going first and you're next and so on that that was awkward and um less it, you know introduced some friction into the training yeah, that was the one that really stood out to me, uh, this being a course that you and I have done together uh, uh, quite a few times. And even you and I both independently, I think, uh, made the same sort of adaptation, which is we wrote down everyone's names uh, in order uh, that we had them introduce themselves. And then from, from that, you and I defined an order that, and you and I had it shared by chance that we'd both recorded in the same way. But then when we would ask people to go around, we had to coach them through because they, they didn't know who they were sitting, quote unquote, next to each other. Like the, the order wasn't obviously shared the way it would have been if we were all around a table, uh, and, and which would have this sort of shared element of it'd be very clear uh, who was next and where you were in order. Uh, it, whereas in, in this virtual training, because we didn't have that uh, shared uh, understanding, uh, we... we I didn't have it. Uh, I'm curious to see this is this idea of affordance. I, I think it's something that can be 
helpful for people in this time uh, right now, where I think a lot of people are suffering, as you were describing, from these missing affordances, from this lack of dimensionality, and they may not be aware of it. And so I thought it'd be useful to talk about affordances as something that people can um, have in mind as a model. And you can use this, I think, to say, well, what are the challenges we're facing right now? What are, what are we suffering from in our meetings and our conversations and our collaboration? And can we think of it in terms of affordances, in part because we can then say, if we identify, yep, we're, we were missing these things we used to rely on, uh, we can then try to substitute them and, and see if there's a way to replace them with an affordance uh, that would work in our environment. I, one good example, by the way, for this um, going around the circle uh, element is I, I went to a facilitation meetup on Wednesday morning. And if I went to, you were, mean you, uh, you got on a video call and, and listened. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Not, not, I didn't meet in the cafe and drink coffee with people the way it would usually happen. Um, I, I went and made my own tea in the kitchen and brought it you know, with me in and then joined the um, Zoom call. Um, and the, for the, the, the class, one of the, or the, I say class, for the meetup, the organizers uh, were in part demonstrating a tool called Concept Board. Um, and there's many uh, sort of uh, similar tools out there. But one thing they had done, which I thought was very nice, is they had created uh, on there a, a virtual table where they then organized everyone's names uh, on sort of post-it notes, uh, virtual post-it notes around the circle. And it, and it then brought back that affordance of um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a shared understanding of order. And we can say, yep, we're going to start with this person and go around clockwise. And everyone could understand what that, that meant. I th and I thought that was a very um, nice example of uh, not being able to uh, recreate uh, exactly the same experience, but to, to realize that, that one of the affordances of being in person and around a table was a defined order. And that we, if we understand that that's valuable, then there's things we can do to bring that back in. So, um, in, in, in the future, you and I might do this training class with a shared document or on the slides, we might go write an order up, or we, we might do something else to give people that similar sort of shared affordance. And I think that's a, a useful idea. And I'm curious if, if there's some other examples here where you can talk about affordances that you have been missing out on or affordances that you've seen introduced or you're curious about. Sure. Well, I've got an example of each. So uh, one of my clients has gone further. They have a team that's already remote uh, from them. So there's, there's a kind of a head office and a development team in a faraway place. And this has gotten much worse now. The communication is much more challenging because all the people in both locations are at home and, and everyone's two-dimensional. So what they've done is they've used a thing called Sococo. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. And it's, not again, not the only one of these, um, but it's uh, fairly long in the tooth. It's been around for a long time. And uh, it gives you literally a virtual office. So you can say uh, you can see people moving from room to room and they might be sitting around a table in one room and somebody might have headphones on in the meditation room. And so, you know, not to bother them and so on. <laughs> so they've um, gone that far. Now, that 
is not going to work for all cultures and all people by all, by any means. But you can uh, really go to some significant lengths to create the affordances. But an example where I didn't have it is I'm typically coaching uh, individuals and and helping them to to have more time. That's one of the things I, the perennial complaint that I get is I just don't have time to do the things you're asking me to do, squirrel. And so I'll sit with them and have them bring up their schedule. And I introduce them to this amazing feature that uh, almost all calendar systems have that people just don't seem to use. It's this feature. You might want to write this down. It's complicated. It's this feature called the no button. And the no button is right next to the... The no button. N-O. Yeah, spelt N-O. It's this interesting word that is the opposite okay. of yes. Right. <laughs> and, and so you oh, use right, this no right. button to say no to a meeting. <laughs> And so I go through it with them and, and we click the button together and I show them and I get them used to the idea that they might click no. And I'm being silly about it. But of course, the difficulty is that um, in, by doing so, you're disappointing someone or they're, if they're concerned, they will be disappointing the, the someone. So I talk with them about uh, who they might disappoint, how they might do that, why it might be valuable to disappoint them, how they could disappoint them in a helpful way and so on. Mm-hmm. But uh, the challenge is I was trying to do that with somebody earlier this week, and I just couldn't see the resolution wasn't good enough for me to actually see the meetings in the, the way I'm used to. And I couldn't certainly reach over his shoulder and say, well, look at this one. <laughs> we didn't have a, share point, a shared pointer to use, for example, to, so I could say, look at this one, this one on Thursday. Um, so right. uh, we, we got around it. It was okay. He got the idea, and I, I believe he's cleared his schedule himself. But um, that was a, a place where a tool that I would normally use um, the, uh, the tool standing behind someone and looking over their shoulder and, exactly, and pointing. <laughs> literally looking at the same screen and pointing and with, your, the button. with your finger. <laughs> yes. Didn't have any of that. And, and that, I really like that story because it, it, it talks about sort of the um, something that is sort of I, I, as a phrase I often use talking about software and features. And I'll talk about something as being technically enabled. And in a sense, the uh, this this use case of being able to look at someone's calendar with them and point things out and you know recommend they use the word uh, use the no button um, th- th- it's technically enabled in this virtual world you you can get there but it it's nowhere near as easy to do it doesn't it doesn't uh, it, it, you have to do a lot more work and a lot more effort uh, and for to, for a result that's not quite as good as you'd have in in person where these uh, affordances are much, much more natural. And it's sort of, you know, built into the, to the fact that you're there next to them and behind them, and you're both looking at the same thing. That's a, that's a really good example. Absolutely. And, and the, the, the worst thing I think that is this the greatest interference is, is less um, visceral than this one. It's less uh, obvious, but I am finding that it's more difficult for me personally to have empathy for the these two-dimensional people who exist on my screen, and I'm observing. And this is a story. This is I, I'm not certain that this is the case, but I am finding that the people I'm coaching in and trying to help have more empathy are not responding in the same way that they normally would. So I would normally say, "Hey, go down the pub with with so and so," and is that is that work? And I say, "Didn't we just clear a bunch of time in your schedule? That's what we were clearing time for. So go down the pub with so and." so and and build your relationship with them and i'll say the same kind of thing although it doesn't involve the pub to someone and they won't respond in the same way they won't have the same experience of improving their relationship as frequently so uh this is i think the, the greatest difficulty is we're always banging on on this podcast about how important it is to build relationships and build trust and that's the first thing to do and you need to uh, work toward it you're, you're probably going to have to work harder to, to achieve that 
there, there are some some silver linings. There are some things that are actually easier in the virtual world, um, but that's one I'm mm. I'm definitely seeing that uh, is is more difficult. I I agree. And let's talk for a minute about those things that are enabled by remote collaboration, distributed work, however you want to call it. Um, the one that that for me uh, that's uh, um, most impactful in the long term is. Um, the fact that recording becomes very easy, that we often in these remote, remote meetings end up with artifacts that um, we, we can have and refer to later that we, we might not have had if we were um, in person. And uh, one, one good example of this is at Tim, when we started having remote teams, we started and remote meetings, we started introducing shared documents. So it's very common that a meeting we're in will have a shared uh, document up in uh, Google Docs or something like that, and everyone is able to edit and everyone's able to take notes. And it becomes a, a shared artifact that helps the conversation in the meeting. It, uh, it, it gives us essentially a new dimension, uh, a new affordance that people didn't have before in the in-person meeting because they do things, they can like make notes uh, uh, modify the agenda in a way that everyone can see without interrupting the current conversation. So sometimes we get uh, different types of input that would be harder to get uh, in if we're all in the same room. And at the end of it, we end up with a, a shared document we can go back to and refer to with much better notes than we uh, had had as a, as a practice when we were all in the same office. Now, and I, I like the idea of affordance here. It's not that we could not have taken notes <laughs> when we were in person. You're allowed to take notes in in-person meetings, but we it just wasn't uh, required. It wasn't as easy. It wasn't as natural as it was when we were uh, distributed. So that that's one uh, affordance that I've seen uh, that comes about with the with the remote collaboration. Fantastic. And you also have things like chat uh, that I see people using more frequently in meetings. And I think we're all getting used to those of us who haven't been doing it quite as much are getting used to the idea that you might actually type something in chat and that would be a second channel for communication. That can both be good and bad, but it is a new affordance. There's a, there's a chat button on your screen. There, there's nothing in a meeting. And I have seen people do this, stopping you, sending a Slack message to the person sitting across from you. But it's not as public. It's not as obvious. Um, it, it's a different activity in person when you're uh, on a, uh, a call and you're you're using the chat functionality that's in front of you that's another way to uh, create a record or to have a discussion and the shared document goes even further than that it makes sure there's a record afterwards which can then be very useful for looking for improvements for iterating right because you can look back at the discussion and say al we, we left out bernie you know bernie was sitting here with all kinds of cool ideas and um, they're here in the document, but we didn't see them. Maybe what we should do is make sure the document is on everyone's screens so that we can see Bernie's contributions because Bernie's better at doing it in writing than in person um, or by, by speech. So uh, that can be the sort of thing that you can reflect on and improve if you have the record. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, one, one affordance I'll say I'm currently uh, I'm missing uh, from the real world is the ability to have multiple conversations at once. So um, and what I have in mind here is we've tried to uh, replace some of the social interaction that we would have in uh, the real world. Uh, say uh, one common thing we would do is do an 11 o'clock coffee run and we'd walk to a coffee shop together. And uh, so we've replaced that uh, maybe with a virtual coffee or virtual tea uh, with people. Um, and and that and that's very helpful. We get into some of that social interaction, but 
it's it has a very different character because of this issue of um, multiple conversations in the virtual. Uh, uh, we're all in here on this um, uh, meeting with our with our coffee. I've, I've noticed there's typically only like one conversation at a time. There is the the the, the, the conversation that's being discussed, and it's it's not possible for ten of us to be having three different conversations. Whereas when we would be walking to coffee, that was very natural. So these sort of transition periods um, at the beginning of meetings, the end of meetings, um, um, going places where there was often a, a, a larger group, but was also broken into subgroups. That doesn't that doesn't seem to be happening as much. And I have people say, well, you can do things like have multiple rooms that people break out to for conversations. But one of the interesting elements was the ability for to have crosstalk that I might be in one conversation, but overhearing another, and then oh, the conversations would Let's sort talk of about naturally. That. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, definitely missing missing that affordance uh, from the real world. I'm, I'm curious if people have come up with um, replacements for that. Uh, oh, if they yeah, do, interesting. I, I would, I, I, that's the one I'm personally feeling the the, the lack of the most. Uh, I'd love to hear if people have solutions for that. Well, I can I can tell you one from the world of Minecraft. Believe it or not, um, there's uh, in these kind of virtual worlds, Second Life is the the old one, of course, and there there are newer ones that I'm not part of, but I, I do occasionally watch some Minecraft videos. And um, in that world, you have uh, something called Mumble, which is a way of having voice chat that gets quieter when people are farther away in the virtual world. So you can actually mm. move apart from someone; you still hear them, but if you're farther away, you hear them less loudly. There's an interaction between the the coordinates in the vi virtual world and the uh, volume in the uh, actual sound that you're hearing in your real ears. So there's one. I have no idea if that's useful. Maybe we'll all be having our meetings in Minecraft soon. <laughs> I, I somehow don't think that's on the cards, but who knows? These are the sorts of things that uh, people uh, may want, the affordances that people may want to start introducing in the future as, as we experiment um, in some unpredictable way with these um, uh, with these uh, uh, me new mechanisms. So uh, um, com com uh, coming to the end here, Jeffrey, did you have more or should we uh, uh, say goodbye to our listeners? I, I think I think, uh, I think that's it. I, as it. I would love to hear if this has been useful for people. Uh, we're saying we'd like to be more interactive. Um, I'd love to hear from you of any of the channels that uh, Squirrel described earlier. Uh, are there affordances that you're particularly missing or that you've picked up on in the distributed world? Uh, we'd love to be able to talk about some of those. Uh, give us, uh, love to hear your ideas of what you find working particularly well or what you're particularly missing and see if we can come up with some some better ways to to be uh, having our conversations and collaborations remotely. That sounds great. And of course, as we were saying at the beginning, we're interested in trying out some some more two-dimensionality for ourselves with you. So if you're thinking that that would be interesting, or if you think that wouldn't be interesting, either way, please get in touch. That would be uh, T Agile at Twitter or uh, info at conversationaltransformation.com uh, if you prefer email. And you'll find both of those at conversationaltransformation.com where you can find out about our book still coming out on May the 12th, as far as we know. Um, so uh, uh, something to read uh, about all these topics and uh, and much more besides, if that's interesting to you. And uh, of course, we also like it if you're uh, listening to us every Wednesday, that you click any kind of uh, subscribe button that you might have in the application that you use, because uh, that way we can keep talking to you at least zero dimensionally and uh, maybe in the future with uh, a few more <laughs> dimensions besides. Excellent. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.